Well, we're continuing into Acts chapter 12, looking at really verses 5 through 11, but we start our, our reading to pick up at verse 3. After James, the brother of John, was killed by the sword, Herod was pleased that it pleased the Jews. So in verse 3, it, because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to further seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the doors were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise, quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out, went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord had sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. So as we begin this chapter, James, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, had been executed, beheaded by the order of Herod the Great. Jesus had told him this would happen, that he would be martyred for his faith. When Herod saw that the Jews approved of the killing of James, he sought to carry out more acts, more such acts. And this moves him to arrest Peter. And just as it was in Acts chapter 5, Peter is taken into the common prison. But this time, things would be different. In Acts chapter 5, he was there not in fear of his life, but with all idea that perhaps after they warned him, they would set him free. The difference at that point was that the Jewish leadership feared the people. So Peter and John were to be released with a warning. Well, what a change now has come quickly. In just a short period of time, the people have gone from being behind Peter to turning against him. If we look back to chapter 5, Peter is put in, in prison at that time, the same prison I believe that he's in this time.
in verse, let's start with verse 19. As they're in the common prison, same wording. Verse 19, but at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. When the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guard standing outside before the door. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And when the high priest, the captain of the temple, the chief priest, heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So we had that kind of a, a preview, an ex, already something experienced by Peter being put in prison, but the situation is somewhat different. There's a hostility, a king, a governor that has turned against them and the people and seeking the praise of the people. We cannot help but think that somehow Herod was, was told or warned about what happened as we saw in Acts chapter 5. So we look at Peter's confinement here Chapter 12, verse 4. So when they arrested him, they put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. So rather than the first time when it was just lightly guarded, this time there's a great guard put. There are 16 men involved, four squads of four that would be rotating eight at a time on guard. There would be two on either side of Peter chained to him. There would be two at the first gate and or guard post, and there would be two at the second guard post. So there would be this group of people that are, are watching and keeping. One is chained to him on the right. Another is chained to him on the left. And two would guard the doors, and another group would guard the outer doors. And then there could be even two at the final gate that opened out into the city. They would work in shifts. John, John Chrysostom said, the stricter the custody, the more wondrous the display of releasing him. 16 soldiers should keep what happened from happening again. Although no one had a clue on how Peter and John had gotten out previously. Peter is having a foretaste of what Jesus told him in, in John chapter 21. John chapter 21 in verse 18. Jesus told him, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands, 
and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Now this he spoke signifying by, by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So Peter is getting a foretaste here of what Jesus had said would happen and it will finally happen, but not this time. The timing is interesting because it's at the Passover, the same time as the crucifixion. And after the Passover, Herod's plan was to bring him out, just as Pilate brought out Jesus, bring him before the people and let the people say what they want, insult him, abuse him, or even in Herod's mind and hope perhaps to cry out, put him to death, kill him. Yet while Peter was confined, perhaps little known to him in verse 5, as there were soldiers, squads of soldiers guarding Peter, there were also squads of believers keeping constant and earnest prayer for Peter's behalf. The King James Version has it the as prayers, uh, prayers was made without ceasing. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Now the church of God at this point would cause us to think that our different groups in different places keeping an around-the-clock prayer vigil, if you will. And this may have gone on for as long as a week. which is pretty impressive. We see now that two things are going on. In verse 6, while the church is praying, notice we see first Peter's contentment. We've gone from Peter's confinement now in the confinement to his contentment. As the church is praying, what is Peter doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. Peter slept soundly in the midst of all this, trusting in the providence of God, knowing that he who keeps him neither sleeps nor slumbers. It's a good thing to remember that Peter was, was practicing what he preached because he's the one that would say in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. So in verse 6, when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, the night that he was about to come out before the groups, the governor and those who hate him, Peter was sleeping. Bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Notice then that he was in great peace in the midst of all this. Just as Herod was about to bring him out and he would probably face a, a very hostile group, perhaps even saying, kill him. In Psalm 127 and verse 2 we read, and it reminds us, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep, sleep. Here he is chained, 
His left arm to one soldier, his right arm to another soldier. Between the two guards. And he's at such peace, he decides, well, I'll take off the outer garment. Take off my sandals. Don't be here for the night. I might as well sleep like I normally do. He had laid down not expecting to go anywhere. Now, I know there are some who probably say, well, you know, Peter, he fell asleep at the Garden of Gethsemane too, you know. But there's a difference. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he slept because of exhaustion. They'd been up for, for many hours and had gone many miles, so he slept because of exhaustion. Here, he sleeps because of his faith. No one, unless they had great trust in the Lord, could sleep in this situation. But Peter slept. No fear of death, certain of his cause, clear in his conscience. Peter is sleeping. Again, a guard is chained, one to each arm. Two are guarding the door immediately ahead of him. And perhaps he did not know how great a company was praying for him. And surely he did not know what was going to happen next. We might think he was at peace as he remembered his last imprisonment and the angelic delivery. But what happens next seems to deny that. And we move then to the next thing of Peter's confusion. In verse 7. We read, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. As Peter slept, an angel of the Lord stood by him. There really are angels. If there weren't angels, Peter would not have brought it up. So, well, didn't Luke write Acts? Yes. Well, how is Luke getting that information of what's going on? Peter had told him. While I'm in the prison, the angel of the Lord comes. Peter is sleeping so soundly that the angel must strike him on the side. Perhaps some of your wives, you wives know about that. Your husband is there sleeping and, and snoring very loudly and you give that elbow, send him out of the room, go sleep in the car. Y'all are very quiet. You saw that series that was out years ago, Touched by an Angel. Peter's remake is punched by an angel. For as he lays there sleeping so soundly, the angel doesn't just tap him. It strikes him to get him up. In the letter to the Hebrews, it tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. 
Now from this, people say, well, we have the guardian angel kind of thing, and perhaps that's true, but there are times we're shown that there's more than one angel around. So I kind of think that God deploys them <clears throat> as necessary for whatever situation, but they are real, and they do minister to those who will inherit salvation. We can count on it. Each one of us, in some way or somehow, if we're truly the Lord's, we have been ministered to by angels. In fact, we know also that the angels know what we are doing even right now. The psalmist tells us that he will give his angels charge over thee to guard thee in all thy ways. Now here, the angel appears, and what also happens? A light shone in the prison. <clears throat> Prisons were dark places, not, not given too much with windows, not very well ventilated, very lowly lit, but here is an uncommon light that shines. And it spoke of the presence and the power and the majesty of, of God who dwells in unapproachable light. <clears throat> and speaks of from where the angel had come. Remember the same thing sort of happened with the shepherds. When the angels appeared and the light shone all around, there's always a, seems to be a connection between angels and light. And why? Because they, they dwell in the presence of God. And the light was for Peter only. The guards would not see it. Just as those who guarded the tomb of Jesus would not see what was happening and they would not be aware of what was going on. But that light would light Peter's way. And Peter was literally walking in the light of the Lord, a light that only he would see. And the angel commands, arise quickly. And he arises, and as he stands up, the chains fall off his wrists. Here is almighty power at work. The angel says, dress yourself, put on your sandals, put on your outer garment, and follow me. There's no question given by Peter, no argument, just quick obedience. In the last two words from the from the angel might have spurred a memory of what Jesus had just said to him not too long ago. Follow me. I wonder if those words did strike a familiar note in Peter's mind. So Peter follows. His mind is not clear. Is this real? Or is this a vision? Verse 9, so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision? Is it real or is it a vision? What am I experiencing here? He had been led out by an angel before, but he had also had previously a very strong vision from the Lord. <clears throat> Which is it? The angel then proceeds to lead him past two guard stations. And then out of the prison gate, and into the city, all the way out and into safety. Now, God very well could have lifted him out and put him, put him right in the middle of the city. 
by this, <clears throat> he shows that he brings them through every difficulty. Now there would be no disgraceful display before the people, no one pleading to kill him. There was too much for him to do. <clears throat> Psalm 68 and verse 20 tells us, Our God is the God of salvation. And to God alone belong the escapes from death. Calvin says it's a great thing that when we only have God's favor, the deadly hatred of the whole world comes to nothing. <clears throat> as we watch this, as we read this, as we see <clears throat> all this taking place. you'll permit me just a few moments to allegorize just a little bit here. <clears throat> when they had passed the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, <clears throat> which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. <clears throat> this is a beautiful picture of salvation the chains of sin broken the prison house of the devil plundered one on his way to death now gets new life the chains can easily represent when we think of salvation the chains can easily represent sin. Perhaps on the left, the pride of life. Perhaps on the right, the lust of the flesh. Next, we have the first guard post. Could be the love of the world. Next, guard post, the love of self. And then, freedom. Freedom. As that final gate opens out, and it opens out into freedom, you notice, see what happened in the prison? Peter stood up and his chains fell off. But not the guards. See, this gives us kind of an idea of a hope for the future because <clears throat> the one who imprisons will himself be imprisoned and that for eternity. And then lastly, I would leave you with this. <clears throat> There's no greater confidence we can have than when we are in the worst of straits, God is with us and already has our deliverance worked out. No scheme, no prison shall prevail against the plans of the Lord and the protection of his people. It's very interesting closing here. We had two situations. We'll look at one coming up where, where Paul is imprisoned. And there's a difference. Peter, when he's in prison, sleeps. Paul, when he's in prison, sings. 
What's the difference? Well, the difference is what was to happen. Paul is in prison. He stays in prison to sing. He will be freed. But in that freedom, he will be used to save the soul of the Philippian jailer. There was work for Peter to do, for Paul to do in prison. And there was more work for Peter to do outside of prison. And that's the plan and purpose and providence of God. Let's stand together for prayer.